Today on the Matt Wall Show, according to recent reports, huge droves of American families are flocking to homeschool. They're fed up with the way the school system has responded to the coronavirus. They're now choosing to educate their children themselves. There's good reason to think that this shift may be permanent and part of a larger trend, and we'll talk about why. And that's a very good thing, because we cannot reclaim our culture until we break the public school system's stranglehold on our children. Also, five headlines, including the media flipping out because Bill Barr allegedly wants to arrest and try protesters with sedition and arrest the mayor of Seattle, among other things. We're supposed to hate Bill Barr for this, but instead, I kind of want to make him king, to be honest. And in our daily cancellation, I will cancel the cardinal in New Jersey who says that a Christian can, in good conscience, vote for Joe Biden. No, a Christian cannot. All of that coming up. But first, I want to tell you about... Um, a new sponsor on the show I'm very excited about. Uh, it's called Thinker. Now, you know, it's it's really important to read books. I'm a big believer in actually reading books uh, because we, we spend a lot of time just consuming little bits of information on the internet and you read headlines and memes and stuff like that. Most of the time when, when someone says, oh, I've I've researched this topic, what they mean is they've read some Facebook memes. Now, you, need, you need to actually read books. and uh, But it's hard to find the time to do that. Thinker makes it a lot easier to do. In our fast-paced world, it's tough to make reading a priority, at least it used to be. At thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. You can read or listen to hundreds of titles in a matter of minutes, from old classic like classics like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People to recent bestsellers like uh, Jordan Peterson's 12 Rules for Life. That's a big one. I know it's really popular on Thinker. Thinker offers a large variety of titles across many categories, current affairs, politics, business, education, history, relationships. You can even find titles from um, a guy named Matt Walsh, uh, The Unholy Trinity, Church of Cowards. You can find that. And Ben Shapiro's Right Side of History. Uh, but there are many, uh, many titles besides that. Uh, I know the, the, the guys who run Thinker, and they're great guys, and this is a great product. I've used it myself many times. I like to use it, um, especially if I'm if I'm thinking about reading a book, but I don't know if I want to commit all the time to it. I'll check it out, what it says on Thinker. I'll get the key ideas, and then I'll figure out, okay, do I want to go buy the whole book and, and really dive into this? If you want to challenge your preconceptions, expand your horizons, become a better thinker, go to thinker.org. That's T-H-I-N-K-R.org to start a free trial. Download the app today. Let them know you heard about them on The Matt Wall Show. That's thinker.org. Okay. Now, a recent article in The Atlantic tells us that the pandemic has families leaving the public school system in droves and embracing homeschooling. And this shift, we're told, may be permanent. This is from the article reading now. It says, homeschooling families, which include roughly 3% of school-aged children in the United States in 2016, have lots of different reasons for wanting to educate their own kids, but they're united in a common assessment. They want out of the traditional system. The question is whether COVID-19 will cause a temporary bump in homeschooling as parents piece together their days during the pandemic or mark a permanent inflection point in education that continues long after the virus has been controlled. Some families may find they want to exit the system for good. Now, the data does seem to bear this out. Um, And it's an interesting article in The Atlantic, by the way, and actually friendly to homeschooling, if you could believe it. A Gallup poll released last week finds that one in 10 families with school-aged children are now homeschooling. That means the number of homeschoolers in America has doubled in just one year. Now, granted, a portion of these families may return to the public school ranks once the lockdowns and mask policies end, if they do any time this century. But there's reason to think that, as the Atlantic says, the change may be lasting. After all, these are families who have unenrolled and severed ties from the school system completely. And in some parts of the country, the the number of parents who've taken that step 
is even more staggering. Texas, for example, has seen a 400% increase in parents withdrawing from the public school system, which mirrors pretty closely uh, the reported 300% increase in traffic to sites like homeschool.com. It's an online community for homeschoolers. So there's a, an intense interest in homeschooling now. The trend towards homeschooling has been a, you know, given a significant shot of adrenaline, adrenaline recently, but it didn't begin with the pandemic. Over the last two decades, the size of the homeschooling community had already doubled before the lockdowns began. What was once considered sort of a fringe movement for Christian fundamentalists on one side of the political divide and then hippie granola crunchers on the other has been increasingly embraced as a possibility for people of all lifestyles and ideological persuasions. What makes this, this, this moment so significant is that the lockdowns have broken the final barrier that prevented many parents from exploring the homeschooling route. That barrier was psychological more than anything. It was the belief that public schools do something special that the average parent cannot emulate or even improve upon. It was thought, even by people who are otherwise skeptical of government control, that parents teaching their own kids is somehow disordered or weird or backwards or not how it's supposed to be. We need the school system, it was thought. Education is the system's thing. It's, it's specialty. Uh, parents don't have the ability or the resources to take its place. That was always a facade. In fact, pa parents are the primary educators of a child. Whether they accept that role officially or not, they still are. There is nothing the school system does that a parent cannot do and do better. There is no role the school system is better suited to fill. The most natural and for the child healthiest choice is to be taught full time by parents who know them love them, understand them, can meet their specific needs. If large-scale government-controlled education has any role, it should be as a backup, a plan B, or maybe C or D, not as the automatic default option for everybody. Now, it's not as though the public school system has been a rousing success up to this point either. Headlines this week tell us that, um, you may have seen this, young people today have a, quote, shocking lack of knowledge about the Holocaust. Over half of the respondents in a recent survey didn't know that 6 million Jews died in the, uh, in the genocide. One in 10 couldn't recall ever hearing the word Holocaust in their lives. None of this is actually shocking, though. Polls and surveys for years have shown that Americans have a very, uh, shall we say, tenuous grasp of basic subjects like history, science, civics. A survey conducted a few years ago discovered that only about 30% of Americans could pass a citizenship test. Less than 30% could identify the 13 original colonies or, or, or you know, say one thing that Benjamin Franklin was famous for. Almost 40% thought he was famous for inventing the light bulb. Another study reveals that one in five Americans can't name a branch of government. A, uh, a survey released by the American Council of Trustees and Alumni in 2015 showed that half of Americans can't say when the Civil War was fought. In science, a Pew study finds that just 39% of Americans have a high level of scientific knowledge with 29% having little knowledge, everybody else falling somewhere in the mediocre middle, which is probably where I fall, to be honest with you. But I went to public school, so I'm exhibit A. The media likes to trumpet headlines like, like these. They, they like these kinds of headlines showing that Americans are stupid and ignorant, but they don't like to connect the, to connect the dots and draw the obvious conclusions. Our education system is an abysmal failure. If you think that Americans are ignorant and stupid, then what does that tell you about the system that's supposed to be educating these people? Ours is an education system that produces citizens who cannot pass a citizenship test. 
What more needs to be said? Of course, we must stipulate that the education system has failed to do what it should be trying to do, which is to equip new generations with the strong base of knowledge and critical thinking skills they'll need to be well-rounded, well-adjusted, contributing members of society. It has not failed to do what it, what it has actually tried to do, which is to indoctrinate new generations into the religion of leftism. The rioters terrorizing our cities, screaming about the imaginary boogeyman of systemic racism, illustrate at once both sides of this dichotomy. The fact is that you know there was never any hope of reclaiming the culture, defeating leftism, or anything else, so long as nearly everyone sends their kids to government indoctrination centers for six hours a day, five days a week, nine months a year for the majority of their first 18 years of life. Worse, we send our kids to these places fully aware that they will be learning a lot more than the ABCs and 123s. The education that they get will stretch far beyond basic academic subjects. They will be shaped and formed and molded intellectually, spiritually, psychologically, morally by the government school system. And worst of all, many parents, even conservative parents, have wanted that. I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with parents defending the public school system by saying things like, I need my kids to be socialized. Really? You want the government to socialize your child? That's what you want? That's a job you trust the government to do. You don't trust it with health care or your tax money or anything else, but you trust it with your child's heart and mind? And you trust that it will socialize your child in a way that's best for him? As long as we have this mentality, there's no hope for the culture. There's no hope for conservatism. But I sense that maybe that mentality is finally starting to shift. A glimmer of hope shines through. So it comes down to this. Public schools simply do not deserve the faith we have had in them, nor have they earned the credit we have often given them. They also do not deserve to be seen as inevitable or necessary. And the school system itself has now admitted as much by shutting down suddenly for months on end, even protesting to ensure that it can remain shut for longer, insisting that it's not an essential service like Walmart or the local liquor store. The school system has let the truth slip. We don't actually need it. Society can function without it. There is nothing it is doing that can't be done at home. Parents are discovering this too. They're trying their hand at educating their own children which is something they were already doing and all parents already do, whether in an official capacity or not. And many are discovering that it's not so hard as they thought. We can just hope that more parents have this revelation that the government school system is rendered finally obsolete and superfluous. That would be one good thing, one extremely good thing to come out of this godforsaken year. Let's get to our five headlines. You know, if you have credit card debt, you got to take care of it as soon as possible because it's going to, it's, it's hurting your credit every minute that it's there. Uh, it's making your life harder. And Lightstream, that's what I want to tell you about Lightstream. Lightstream's fixed rate credit, credit card consolidation loan starts at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Um, and it's lower than the average credit card interest rate of, of uh, over 19% APR. You can get a loan from uh, $5,000 to $100,000 with absolutely no fees. And the application is 100% online and very easy to go through. Uh, you can even get your money in as soon as a day. Uh, if you, you know, the day you apply, you can get that very same day. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a great interest rate and no fees. And that's exactly what they deliver. And, uh, you know, the thing is, you, you don't, don't take it from me. Don't take it from 
Don't take it from any ad you hear. Take it from the people. People love Lightstream. Here's what uh, this customer had to say. I heard about Lightstream on a podcast and was able to look on the website and get clear information. The application process was quick and easy. Um, you know, I, I've, I, I've, I've seen, we've all seen this. There are many people who have debt. They have credit card debt, other kinds of debt, and it prevents them from moving on with their lives, moving up in their careers. Uh, there's so much that you want to do where that's going to interfere, and that's why you need Lightstream. My listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash Walsh, L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash Walsh. Subject to credit approval, rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount. Terms and conditions apply, and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash Walsh for more information. Okay, a uh, bunch of headlines. In fact, this one I don't even have here. So I, I think we'll talk about this tomorrow more. But I just, right before we went on the air, saw this story out of Nashville about the Nashville mayor's office. According to a report, uh, emails were leaked showing that um, they were trying to hide the fact that uh, there were very few coronavirus cases coming out of uh, restaurants and bars. They'd shut down the restaurants and bars. And then in the, in the emails ex- exchanges, they were, some people in the mayor's office were worried that more people weren't getting sick because of the restaurants and bars, which means that they can't justify shutting it down. Um, this is, and it, and it makes you wonder, like, how many other cities was this happening where the people in positions of power shutting down businesses and knew, because they had the data, they knew that there was no reason for it, that, that, that the data didn't support it, but they suppressed that data and didn't tell the public about it. How many, I'm, I'm thinking probably many cities where this happened. So think about Democrat mayors for a second. Um, Democrat mayors, okay, shut down their economies on bad or phony data. And then after months of that, in many of these cities, allowed rampaging mobs to run through the street, burning and looting at will. You have to be a masochist at this point to vote for one of these lunatics to run your city. This is beyond politics. If you're just a normal person, especially if, you know, if you're a business owner, you have a family, why would you want, I don't care how you feel about Republicans or Trump or anyone else, why would you want one of these people running? Look at what they're doing. Uh, but we'll talk more about that tomorrow. This is just a huge scandal, this story. So I want to dive more into it. But uh, okay, we start here. Here are, uh, um, here are several headlines all about Attorney General Bill Barr. And these are supposed to make us hate him, I guess, and think that he's scary and mean. So from The Guardian, Bill Barr reportedly suggested bringing sedition charges against protesters from CNN. Bill Barr says uh, calls for coronavirus lockdowns are the greatest intrusion on civil liberties other than slavery in U.S. history. And then from the from the Hill, Barr asked prosecutors to explore charging Seattle mayor over protest zone. These are all headlines in like the last day about Bill Barr. So the media wants us to to read that. It's out. What a what a terrible guy. Uh, But of course, I have the exact opposite reaction. I think that's awesome. That's yes. Thank you. See, the media thinks all of that makes him look bad. But because they don't understand normal people. To normal people, we read that and we think, well, yeah. Coronavirus lockdowns are the greatest threat to civil liberty. Well, that's not exactly true. And it's only the only reason that it's not true is because of abortion. Abortion is the greatest threat to civil liberty um, since slavery. But this is definitely in the top five. And then he wanted to bring sedition charges against insurrectionists who are burning government buildings with the stated goal of overthrowing the government. Yeah, that's what sedition is. Absolutely. And then Bill Barr wants to charge a mayor with crimes because she refused to enforce the law and put her citizens in jeopardy because of it. Again, yes, this is what normal people believe. 
the media is disgusted by, confused by, horrified by the sorts of things that normal people think and believe. Uh, number two, CDC Director Robert Redfield, not, be, not to be confused with Robert Redford. When you see this guy, I'm sure you won't confuse them. Uh, he was testifying before Congress yesterday and, and had this to say about when we can return to regular life. Listen. Tell me when, when you think we'll have a vaccine as best you can ready to, to administer to the public, Dr. Redfield. Well, I think as uh, Dr. Cadillac said, I think there will be vaccine that initially be available sometime between November and December, but very limited supply and will have to be prioritized. If you're asking me when is it going to be generally available to the American public so we can begin to take advantage of vaccine to get back to our regular life, I think we're probably looking at third, late second quarter, third quarter, 2021. And so you think by the late second and thir or third quarter, we will have started to, to uh, vaccinate people? I think the vaccination will begin in November, December, and then we'll pick up, you know, and it'll be in a prioritized way, those first responders and those at greatest risk for death. And then eventually that will expand. You know, there's about, it's hard to believe, but there's about 80 million people in our country that have significant comorbidities that put themselves at risk. So right. They have to get vaccinated. And, and, and then the general public. Okay, third quarter of 2021. Now, personally, I've been living my regular life all throughout this. I, I never stopped living my regular life. Uh, but if you actually are planning to remain hiding in your closet or under your bed for the next year or more, uh, then I, I, I don't know what to say to you. Um, remember, though, 15 days to slow the spread. I guess 15 days, you know, that's, that's kind of like uh, maybe days. It's kind of like the word mostly now. We hear mostly peaceful when the media says that. So these are, these are, these are words that can be uh, interpreted in very broad sense. Or maybe, you know, there's the, maybe we're talking about days in a biblical sense here. They said 15 days. Maybe they meant that, you know, there's the, the debate in Genesis. We talk about, was it seven days of creation uh, or most it was, was each day representative of billions of years. And so maybe when we heard 15 days to slow the spread, they meant it in the biblical way that each day is a billion years. I don't know. Um, uh, Redfield also had this to say about masks. Listen. I'm not going to comment directly about the president, but I am going to comment as the CDC director that uh, uh, face masks, these face masks are the most important, powerful public health tool we have. And I will continue to appeal for all Americans, all individuals in our country, to embrace these face coverings. I've said it, if we did it for six, eight, 10, 12 weeks, we'd bring this pandemic uh, under control. These actually, we have clear scientific evidence, they work and they are our best defense. I might even go so far as to say that this face mask is more guaranteed to protect me against COVID that when I take a COVID vaccine, because the immunogenicity may be 70%. And if I don't get an immune response, the vaccine's not gonna protect me. This face mask will. So I do wanna keep asking the American public to take the responsibility, particularly the 18 uh, to 25 year olds, where we're seeing the outbreak in America continue to go like this, because we haven't got the acceptance, the personal responsibility that we need for all Americans to embrace this face mask. 
Okay, masks are more protective than vaccines. That's what he's saying now. Now let's rewind the clock back six months and take a listen to what he said about masks back then. Should you wear a mask if you're healthy? No. Okay. So there he says, he's asked, if you're healthy, should you wear a mask? Six months ago, he said, no, period. So we went from, and think about what the Surgeon General said six months ago, five or six months ago, screaming at us, don't wear a mask, stop wearing a mask. So we went from stop wearing masks, you dumb hicks, to masks are more protective than vaccines uh, in six months. And the excuse is, well, we're still, we're still discovering, you know, we're still figuring out the science of it. Well, what people have been using masks in a medical context for centuries. You still are figuring out the science? And our understanding of the science of masks has evolved that much in a few months, really? No. Whatever, however effective masks are or aren't, they've known it all along. But they've given us two different answers. And so you wonder why people are a little bit skeptical of the mask thing. Number three, here's Nancy Pelosi on MSNBC yesterday with a very stark and sudden emotional pivot. Watch this. Climate crisis, which is causing these, uh, has, a, has an impact, has, a, 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 has influenced what is happening in California and the whole West, as well as the storms that are uh, battering the Gulf Coast. Mm. This is a reality. So, and when it comes to the coronavirus, they have contempt for science. That's why we have almost 200,000 people who will lose their lives by the end of this week. 200,000 people. And that's why that there are contempt for science as to what the, uh, uh, the climate crisis is. Yeah, I think old, old Nance's acting is getting, getting a little rusty there. She needs to run through those lines about 10 or 15 more times before going live with it. Uh, this is what happens when you miss dress rehearsals. You know, you got to be, you gotta, it's, practice makes perfect. This just shows that politicians, you know, when they've been in office for a while, they really forget how to be human. I, and I, and I, that's not even a joke. I really believe that. I think that that's why we need term limits. They can't relate to human emotions anymore because they they lose a little piece of their humanity with each year they spend in that environment. So by the, by the time they get to Pelosi's age, uh, they're like, you know, Spock or something, but not as smart. Dumb Spocks. Is, that's, the, that's who's running the country. No brain, no soul. When they attempt to imitate human emotion, it comes off as, as you know, like awkward and, and sort of grotesque. Often more towards grotesque, I think. Watching Pelosi imitate human emotions, it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know what it's like? It's like, I don't, if you've ever seen Men in Black, um, there's that, in Men in Black, the first one, there's that alien bug creature that steals a guy's skin and wears it around. That's who Nancy Pelosi reminds me of. No offense to her intended, of course. I mean, it has a compliment. Number four, from the Daily Wire, um, the pizza chain where a kid can be a kid is now looking to destroy 7 billion of its famous prize tickets after filing for bankruptcy this past summer due to the steep drop in business during the COVID-19 pandemic. According to the New York Post, Chuck E. Cheese parent company CEC Entertainment said in a court filing on Monday that the heavy supply of prize tickets are no longer needed. The tickets are valued at $9 billion, or sorry, $9 million, not 9 billion. It's 7 billion tickets valued at $9 million. That's what they're destroying. Okay, so 7 billion prize tickets. If I remember correctly, at the prize counter with that many tickets, you could have redeemed all of that for a Chinese finger trap, a yo-yo, and three Jolly Ranchers. 
It took a lot, is what I'm trying to say, in the, at those prize counters. Uh, you know, you go up to the prize counter, you've got just like a whole bucket of tickets, and you're so excited. He's like, oh, Daddy, what can I get? And, and, and he says, oh, well, you can get this little finger puppet. Um, five, finally, you may have heard the big news that the Daily Wire is leaving Los Angeles and moving to Nashville. Uh, why are we leaving Los Angeles? Well, because LA is a crumbling cesspit and it's currently on fire at the moment. So I say we, but I never lived here. Um, I will, however, be, be moving to Nashville with the crew, finally leaving the shack in the wilderness that I've, I've been living in. We're going to find a new shack in, in wilderness in, in Nashville or in Tennessee somewhere. Um, I will, of course, be bringing my banjo. It is Nashville after all. My banjo, which you can see in this studio here. This studio, you know, sort of a preview of things to come, maybe. I'll have a real studio. Um, this, is, this is all very new for me because I've, I've always done the show just by myself in my little hole somewhere. Even right now. I mean, there are people in the room right now in the dark staring at me. And it's a very strange, it's a very strange experience. But it's going to be very exciting. For, for, for us, apparently... Not everyone is happy that we're coming, though. Um, here's an article on a website called The Nashville Scene. Headline is, hole moving to town. Ben Shapiro announced he and the Daily Wire are coming to Nashville. Thanks, we hate it. Then the article says, there's nothing clever to say here, clearly. Uh, ben Shapiro is a proudly obtuse bigot who rose rapidly through the ranks of conservative media because he was a young person who appeared to have read a book or two and hated popular culture. Now, he and his right-wing Facebook content generator, The Daily Wire, are moving here. And then it goes on and on about how Ben is an a-hole and a horrible guy, and he's moving to Nashville, etc. Um, and I read this article, and I have to say, I'm really upset and offended by it. I think it's totally out of line, completely uncalled for. Because I also am an a-hole, and I also am moving to town. And I don't even get any mention here at all. I have been erased, otherized. My existence has been delegitimized by this. I haven't worked so hard to cultivate my a-hole brand to be ignored in this way. It only goes to show, you know, my people, my community of a-holes have so much further to go before we are really appreciated and respected for our contributions to society. So we'll be in uh, Nashville soon, and we're looking forward to that. All right, we're going to get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But before we do... Um, you know, I, uh, I have to admit, I'm sort of a high-maintenance guy. Not, at, not, in, not in most facets of life, I don't think. But with sleeping, I am. I have, a very particular, I have very particular needs when I'm sleeping. And if, if those needs are met, then I can sleep like a baby. If they're not, then I'm tossing and turning and whining all night and annoying my wife. Um, and that's why I'm so happy that, uh, that I have, like so many millions of others, discovered my pillow. Uh, look, if you if you want to get a good night night's rest, even if you're not super high maintenance like me when it comes to sleeping, you need to have a comfortable bed, comfortable sheets, a nice pillow. These are the things that you need, and that's why you need my pillow. Mike Lindell is the inventor of my pillow. Mike's latest deal is on his Giza Dream Sheets, which are made from the world's best cotton, Giza cotton. They're very soft, breathable, extremely extremely durable. I can attest to all of this. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets are at a at a, a two-for-one low price, plus free shipping with promo code DAILYWIRE. All of the MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. If you don't like it, but I guarantee you will like it. Uh, I could say, you know, I'm traveling right now, and uh, and so I don't have my my pillow because I can't, I just can't bring myself to be one of those guys that brings a pillow on the plane. Um, so I left it at home. My wife is enjoying it. And now I have some crappy hotel pillow 
and I am suffering immensely because of it. And I can't wait to get home for many reasons uh, out of Los Angeles, but mainly because of my pillow. Just go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener square to check out the two for one low price on the Giza Dream Sheets plus free shipping. There are also deep discounts on all other MyPillow products. Enter promo code DAILYWIRE or call 800-651-1148 for these great radio specials. All right, let's get to our daily cancellation. Uh, Today, I will be canceling Cardinal Tobin of Newark, New Jersey. This is the second day in a row that I'm canceling a priest, this time a cardinal. Tomorrow, it will be the Pope as I work my way up the ranks and find many cancelable candidates along the way, unfortunately. Uh, It's not my fault. You must understand. I don't decide who I'm going to cancel. The universe makes this decision for me. Cardinal Tobin today uh, is getting canceled for some remarks he made during an online panel discussion a few days ago. This is what he said. Listen. I think that a person in good conscience could vote for Mr. Biden. I frankly, in my my own way of thinking, have a more difficult time with, with the other option. Now, he later clarified that he's not endorsing any candidate. But he is saying that a person, a Catholic, a Christian, can in good conscience vote for the candidate who supports murdering babies in the womb. Now, let's back up here for a moment, okay? A little bit of, uh, of background on the most esteemed Cardinal Tobin. A couple years ago, it was reported by the American Spectator that Cardinal Tobin was having an Italian actor and model staying in his rectory. Now, here's that actor. You can see his Instagram pictures here. I've been told I look a lot like this guy. I pose like him too when I do photo, photo shoots. Uh, actually, that's not true. I did a photo shoot here yesterday, here yesterday and it was, it was absolutely awful. Uh, I'm the most awkward person, as you have probably noticed. Anyway, that guy was staying uh, with the Cardinal in his rectory. Tobin, when confronted about this, said that the guy, uh, Francesco Castiglione is his name, was, was staying there because he was, he was taking language classes at Seton Hall. Now, why would an Italian actor and model who likes to take shirtless photos stay at a cardinal's rectory so he could take language classes at another place? Well, your guess is as good as mine, but use your imagination or don't use it if you're about to eat lunch. Here's another interesting tidbit. Around the same time that this Francesco chap was staying at his rectory, Tobin tweeted this one night. This is a tweet that he sent out a couple years ago. It said, supposed to be airborne in 10 minutes, Nighty night, baby. I love you. Now, obviously, this was not meant to be tweeted. It seems he meant to send that as a text message to someone. But to who is the question? He's a cardinal. He's supposed to be chaste and celibate. Who is he texting nighty night baby to? Now, when asked about this, he said that it was meant to go to his sister. Yes, his sister. Uh, Now, I have four sisters myself. I can tell you, I I would never say nighty night, baby, I love you to any of them in any context, because that would be enormously creepy and weird. Does Tobin just have a very, very close relationship with his sisters, or was that meant to go to someone else entirely? Who knows? But it does raise some interesting questions about the Cardinal, um, and then this happens. So, can a person in good conscience vote for Joe Biden? They certainly cannot text nighty night baby to their sister in good conscience or to anyone else, by the way, if you're a man. Uh, There's really no context where that's appropriate. As for Biden, who seems like the kind of guy who who has texted that to many people in his life, um, the answer is no, you cannot support him. Joe Biden supports abortion on demand. He supports abortion at every stage of pregnancy. 
He supports federal funds paying for abortion. The other person on the ticket, Kamala Harris, is even more radically pro-infanticide. She actually prosecuted pro-life undercover journalists in California for investigating Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood, by the way, at the time was also a big Kamala Harris donor. Nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, investigating the people or, 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 or trying to criminally prosecute the people who are investigating one of your big donors. No corruption there at all. Remember that the Democrat Party at this point fully endorses abortions, all abortions, at all stages of development. It supports and wants to actively facilitate and fund late-term abortion. That would be abortion of babies who are past the point of viability. Babies, infants who can survive outside the womb. Babies that look just like any newborn infant you've ever seen. These procedures, let me, and this gets a little graphic here, I apologize for it, but this, but we all need to know this. This is what Joe Biden supports. Uh, Late-term abortions. They are performed by injecting the fully developed infant child with poison, usually into his skull while he's still in the womb. If he dies from the poison, the mother will carry her dead child around inside her for two or three days before eventually delivering the dead child either at the clinic or into a toilet in her hotel or, or her house, as very often happens. But sometimes the baby doesn't die from the first injection and instead lives in pain and agony for those three days. Remember, this is a fully developed baby, fully developed nervous system. It feels everything. So three, two or three days of being poisoned, um, eventually the child will then be injected again and then removed from the womb piece by piece, ripped apart by forceps as he is extracted from his mother's body. This is what we do in this country. This is how we treat our children. And this is what the Democrat Party and Joe Biden support. This is what Cardinal Tobin says you can support by supporting candidates who will facilitate and fund this kind of barbarity. By the way, you'll be told that the late-term abortion procedure I just described represents only 1% of all abortions. Well, let's just say that's true. Um, There are a million abortions a year in this country. That means 10,000 fully developed infant children are poisoned and then ripped apart limb from limb every year. 10,000. How many children do you think die in school shootings every year? It's not 10,000, I can tell you that. It's barely a fraction of 10,000. Now, how do you think the left would react if you said that school shootings aren't a big deal because only a handful of kids fall victim to them each, each year? I mean, what's the percent of all the of all the children who go to school? What's the percentage that die in school shootings? It ain't one percent. I can tell you that it's point zero zero whatever one percent. Um, and this is and but one percent we're told in this context doesn't matter. But here we're just talking about late term abortion, which the Biden Harris ticket endorses. All abortions, of course, are barbaric, murderous, evil. A Christian cannot support this. No decent person of any religion or non-religion can support this. Now, Donald Trump may have a difficult personality. He may say things that offend you. But presidential elections are not personality contests. Rather, they are not supposed to be personality contests. They are, but they shouldn't be. If you vote for the man whose personality you most relate to, you're a fool. And you shouldn't even have the right to vote if you're that stupid. What matters is what these people will actually do. And we know that Joe Biden, among many other troubling things, will take active steps to ensure that more babies are murdered. A Christian who votes for that is committing a grave sin. And Cardinal Tobin committed a grave sin by encouraging it. So Cardinal Tobin is canceled.
And that'll do it for today. Everyone, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Danny D'Amico, and our audio is mixed by Robin Fenderson. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. President Trump beats Joe Biden for the first time in a major poll. Democrats get foreign policy wrong again. And more evidence of voter fraud creeps up in New Jersey. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. 